0: Welcome to the Lex City Church podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Hello there. I'm Amanda, like LJ said, and I'm a volunteer around here, a member here. And if I have not met you yet, um, we're still family because we're all part of this church body. So it's good to see you all today. And for those of you joining us online, it's good to be together in whatever way that we can. But before I talk this morning, I'd like to pray for us. So would you pray with me, please? Lord, you're the biggest deal in the room. You matter so much to us. Thank you for how you have walked with me for the years of my life. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your willingness to pay for my sin. Thank you that um, you can take our small offerings and you can multiply them. So Lord, I ask that you would nourish us with your word today. That we would grow in knowing you and that we would be more like you. When we leave. And Lord we thank you for Jesus. Always for Jesus. We love him in Jesus name. Amen. Well I have some friends. And they have taught me a lot about the Lord. And this particular set of friends. Years ago taught me that. Things in the natural realm. The physical realm. Mirror spiritual realities. So before you think. Uh Uh-oh, they asked a crazy person to teach today. I want you to know that it's in Scripture, in Ephesians, it tells us that there is a physical realm and a spiritual realm. And God's heart has always been for us to understand him. Um, I'm taking every opportunity I have in whatever group I get to share in these days to say that, It is a lie that you cannot read your Bible and understand it. And I want you to know that and hear that from me today. God's word is for you to read and to know. He gave it to us. It's living and it's active. And so we may not understand all the parts of it as we read it, but if we'll stay engaged, he wants us to know him. And one of the ways that he helps us understand the things that he has said is through using physical things that we can see and touch and are familiar with and filling them with imagery of spiritual truth. So Jesus did this all the time in parables. He said, my sheep know my voice. Now, I'm not a sheep, but he was talking about me, right? Um, He talked about sowing seed, which was his word, and the kind of soil that receives it, meaning like the kind of heart that receives it. So Jesus did this all the time so that we could grasp these deeper truths in things that we can see and understand. And one of the key things in the created world that God has used to teach his people about himself and spiritual truths are trees. So starting way back in the garden, we know trees were important. And we know in the book of Revelation, there's a picture of the tree of life that spread over a river, never fails to produce fruit. But in the Old Testament, oftentimes, writers would describe godly people as trees. Let's look at a couple of those. So in Psalm 1, it talks about the godly who delights in God's ways and says, They're like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. In Jeremiah 17, there's a similar description given of godly people being like trees. And it says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And Jesus continues this metaphor in John 15 when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So today we're going to talk about a tree, but a specific kind of tree. We're going to talk about a fig tree, and we're actually going to follow its journey from full of leaves to withered from the roots we're going to see how Jesus uses that to teach his disciples. If you have your real live Bible, that's what I tell my Bible study ladies. I'm like, bring your real live Bible. If you don't have that, no problem. You can go to lexcity.info, scroll down a little ways, you'll see message notes. And you can click and find notes from today and all the scripture that we're going to read. We're going to start in Mark 11, verse 12. And while you're getting there, I'll give you a little bit of context about what's going on in the story. So the day before, what we're going to read in a minute, Jesus and his disciples have come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, them and thousands of other Jewish people. So they are coming in, and Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem. It's the whole scene with the donkey. He's riding on the donkey and the palm branches and Hosanna, Hosanna. This has all happened the night before where our story picks up. So we'll start in verse 12. It says, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, pause button. So they're staying outside of Jerusalem and then traveling into it every day. So they're staying in Bethany, and they go to Jerusalem every day. As they're leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree. So I just fast forwarded to verse 20. So next day, there, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, these may seem like two completely different stories. We've got the fig tree narrative going on, and we've got the throwing around tables in the temple courts. But what we're gonna see is that these are actually connected. So there's a few things that we notice. Number one, Jesus was hungry. He was fully God, but fully human. And he's looking for breakfast. This starts, this whole story, with just a natural need of our savior. But we're gonna see that he's gonna use it to produce much more than just breakfast. So Jesus is in a state of mind so that we understand where he knows that on the last day of this week, so he has started the last week of his life before the cross. He knows that. He's been telling his disciples that, but they aren't fully getting it. But he knows and he is aware that he has limited time to finish saying the things and to connect people to God. And so he, the scripture says in other places that Jesus had set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. Jesus's mental state at this point, based on scripture, is it's go time. I have a few days left. I've got things to say, and it's go time. And so he wants some breakfast. And so when he finds this tree that doesn't have fruit, He seems frustrated, doesn't he? But he's not just hangry. That's not what's happening here. There's so much more going on. And we might be tempted to think like, whoa, Jesus, that feels a little extreme. I mean, it just doesn't have figs. The verse said it wasn't the season for figs. So why do you expect that thing to have figs? Well, here's some fig tree trivia for you. Aren't you glad you came? You're going to leave with fig tree facts going to be awesome. All right, fig tree fact number one. They bloomed or produced fruit twice a year, mature fig trees did, in the fall and in the late spring. So Passover is around early spring. Here's fig tree fact number two. Often, or most of the time, if a fig tree was full of leaves, it had fruit. Like one indicated the other. So the figs would be under the leaves. So if you saw a fig tree full of leaves, you would assume that's got fruit on it. So Jesus most likely is just thinking, it's an early bloomer. Lucky for me, I'm going to have figs for breakfast. But when Jesus gets up to the fig tree, what he realizes is it's full of leaves, but it has no fruit. Now remember where Jesus is. For 3 years he has been going back and forth with people and with the religious leaders and he's been saying it's me you all have been teaching and talking about me and I'm here and I'm not just saying it but I'm I'm backing it up with miracles I'm feeding thousands I'm healing disease. I'm casting out demons. I'm proving to you that I am who I say. And I'm saying I'm the Messiah. And they aren't getting it. And the religious leaders in particular are the ones who should. Right? They're the ones who've read the scrolls. They know what the prophets have said about Jesus. But when he goes and he looks under their leaves, there's no fruit. So these fig trees look like they have something and they have nothing. Jesus actually tells a parable and relates it directly to the Pharisees in Luke 13. It says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, haven't found any, cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Here's your last fig tree fact for the day. A newly planted fig tree would be fully mature after three years. It's no coincidence here that Jesus' ministry on earth is in its third year. So what Jesus is saying is there should be fruit. And there is none. For three years... I've been looking for fruit under all these leaves, under all these checked boxes of religious behavior, and I can't find any fruit. So Jesus curses the fig tree. He says, no more fruit for you. Does anybody remember Seinfeld, the soup guy? No soup for you. I figure, like picture Jesus saying, no more fruit for you. No fruit again. I don't think he talks like that. What is that anyway? I don't even know what that accent is. It's fine. Okay. So Jesus curses the fig tree and then he goes about his day. He just continues and goes into Jerusalem. Well, then he gets to Jerusalem and he starts flipping tables in the temple. You're thinking, whoa, he should have had something else. He needed to find some breakfast. What you need to remember is that Jesus is perfect. Perfect. He did not sin. Every emotion Jesus is expressing is right. It's holy, even. Because what he's overturning in the temple are money changers who have upcharged the price on doves and pigeons and sacrifices that the people who've come to worship have to have in order to enter the temple. They're exploiting the people. Lots of leaves, no fruit. And so they are blocking people's way getting to God. If you hear me say nothing else today, I want you to hear me say this. Jesus' entire life mission was that you would have a way back to God, that I would have a way back to God. And what he wanted to get rid of were all of the things that kept people from getting to God. Whether that's a bunch of leaves with nothing to show for it or whether that's improper worship. See, we have to remember that Jesus was with God in the beginning. John 1 tells us, and the Word, capital W, in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus has seen the entire history of Israel play out. He's watched God warn them, and he's watched them rebel. He's watched God send prophets, and he's watched them not listen and go into exile. Over and over and over, Jesus knows. He also knows that the way that the prophet Isaiah described it is Isaiah was speaking for God and said, These people draw near to me with their lips, but they're far from me in their hearts. They say all the right things, but they don't know me. They don't love me from here. Full of leaves, no fruit. And Jesus is the restorer of connection with God. He describes himself as that. He says in John 15, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Now pause. This is important. Jesus is the source. He's the vine. God is the caretaker of the vine, the gardener. And we are the branches. Jesus is saying, I am the go-between, the one who opens up the way for the branches to know God because that way got cut off by sin way back in the garden. And when God is cleansing the temple, when he's trying to remove another obstacle for people to know him, he says, you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers. It's supposed to be a house of prayer for all the nations. And I want us to remember that because Jesus is reinstating the right purpose. You're using it for this purpose, but the right purpose of this place is connection. Because that's what prayer is. It's interacting with God. It's talking to him. So hold that to the side because he's going to mention prayer again. So the next day, after the table flipping, they're walking back into Jerusalem from Bethany. And they pass the fig tree. And the Bible tells us that Peter remembers what Jesus had said and says, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. And I don't know about you, but I think this is hilarious because it's like, Peter, you have seen him calm the wind and the waves. You've seen him feed thousands of people. You know when he says it, it happens. And yet you seem shocked (laughs) that this fig tree actually did what Jesus said. And so you might think that Jesus would be like, yes, Peter, good job. It did wither. That is what I had said. Okay, but instead he says, have faith in God. Remember, faith like Flint. Jesus isn't missing a beat. He's not wasting words. He says, have faith in God. I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and then he goes into this whole thing, and it's all about prayer, It's all about how to effectively pray, to believe, and to pray. Because what Jesus, again, is all about is restoring connection. He's the one who wanted to make an open way, an unimpeded way back to God. And he's showing judgment on these things that are getting in people's way. Like trees that look like they have fruit but have none. And like money changers in the temple. So Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You can't make fruit. So an apple tree cannot wake up and go, today, there's going to be an apple on that branch. Apple, right? There's a natural process. In the same way, I cannot, Galatians 5 tells us about the fruit of the spirit, and I know the list, love, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I can't think to myself, I need joy. Mm, Joy, right? Mm, Patience. I cannot eke out fruit. That's because all fruit in nature and spiritually is a byproduct of the source. So I can't have the kind of joy I was created for unless I abide in the source. Unless I believe the Holy Spirit is in me and can produce joy. I can't do it. And so these trees with leaves and no fruit, they've eked out everything they can. But they don't have the thing that will actually nourish people. That will actually feed them. And the nearness of God is our good. The Bible tells us that. It's good to be near God. And Jesus' whole point is, I am making a way. And some of you are getting in my way. And Jesus knew what it was going to cost him, right? He knows that a couple of days before, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means the one who saves or saving one. And yet while they're crying that out, they don't realize that what that means is that he'll have to be the dying one so that he can save them. So Jesus uses a dead tree and flipped tables to remind people that what God has always been after is our hearts, is our ability to connect with him. It's what he started in the garden Matthew Henry in his commentary on this passage, he said that the good instructions Christ gave them from the tree, the withered fig tree, because of those instructions, even this withered fig tree was fruitful. See the lesson Jesus taught the disciples about prayer and fruitfulness came from a tree that could no longer bear literal fruit but just think about what kind of spiritual fruit it could produce. Jesus says, This thing is withered from the roots. That's what Peter observes. And I'm, I'm reading between the lines, but Peter had to be able to see the roots to know it was withered from the roots. This tree is not like wilted, it doesn't need a good watering. This fig tree that Jesus has cursed is withered from the roots probably killed over so you can see the roots. Peter's going, whoa. But Jesus is using that to teach his disciples how to bear fruit. And isn't that smart? Because they were going to be the ones that he was going to send, and again, he knew all this, into the world to tell people how to connect with him. How to get back to God. It was going to be them. They needed to know how to pray fruitful, believing prayers. They needed to know how to believe God and take him at his word. Here's the coolest thing. With Jesus, withered trees can still produce fruit. I'm going to say that again because it's important for my own heart, and I think it's important for a lot of our hearts. Withered trees with Jesus can still produce fruit. It's not going to be figs. But Jesus says, I want you to replace the figs with faith. I want to give you fruit that lasts and that multiplies and goes on and on and on. For all of your life with me. And I can use withered trees to do it. This is who God is. I don't know what you perceive of him or have thought about him in the past. But you might read this and think, well, he withered that fig tree. He did. But he withered that fig tree to produce eternal fruit. That's who he is. He sees differently than we see. Genuine connection with God always produces fruit. And you won't have to try. It's just a byproduct of you staying connected to the source. So I'm going to ask you some questions Do you have any areas of your life or situations that look like withered fig trees? Withered from the roots. What are they? What are your withered fig trees? Do you believe that God can bring fruit even from them? Do you look like a tree with fruit? And yet, actually, if your leaves got lifted, there's none because you've tried to be your own source? It's a hard question. You will run out. You cannot be your own source. There is one never-ending stream of life, and it's Jesus. You will eventually let yourself down if you try to be your own source. About this question, these progressively get harder, but here's the thing, the world around us, we see it, we feel it, they are starving to death for a real answer about what are we gonna do about this world and about the way that it is, and we have the fruit. We have the source of the fruit that actually lasts. His name is Jesus. We've got to ask these questions because we've got to go feed people. That's been the plan all along. We don't just get fed to get full. We get fed to go feed. So what do you need to believe God for in prayer and not doubt? And here's the hardest one. Who do you need to forgive? Jesus was very clear when he talked about prayer, that one thing that would get in the way of your prayers being effective would be that you hold anything against anyone. And maybe that relationship or, or whatever breakdown, maybe that thing stays a withered tree. That's okay. Because maybe the only fruit that can come from that is the healing of your own heart. And your ability to pray effective prayers is worth it. There's a tree that's even more important than the fig tree. And I get emotional when I talk about it because I really love Jesus. And he really. took one for the team for me. Sin separate us and Jesus wants to connect us. And I have seen Jesus connect with me over and over and over again, even in seasons when I've been like, I don't like you at all. I don't like what you're doing. And man, he's been patient. And he's like with me, withered fig trees, they can produce fruit. But the most important tree that I'm talking about is the tree that formed the crossbeams of the cross of Christ. That's the ultimate connection point. What I love about that is that Jesus knew, I'm going to give you a way to come to God unhindered, even by your own stuff. Because I'm going to pay for it for you. I'm going to take your punishment on me so that you can be free and have life and live. And all throughout Scripture, this is God's heart for you. He's been coming for you. He's been coming for you. He came for Adam and Eve in the garden. They sinned. They had it made in the shade. And they decided they needed to know more. God must be holding out. So they ate fruit from a tree. But what it meant was that Jesus would have to hang on one later to get it back. It's Jesus that goes into the it's God that goes into the garden and says to Adam and Eve, Where are you? It's he, he knew. I was reading in a book that I have called The Meaning of Prayer. Very old. I like old books. (laughs) But the author said, finding God is really letting God find us. For our search for him is simply surrender to his search for us. So we're going to celebrate baptisms together today. These are people who let God find them. Who believed he loves me. He died for me. I want to live life his way, not my own way anymore, because that's a good God. And I'm running out of reserves. So if that's you, if you have never chosen to walk with Christ, you can get baptized today too. You can choose him. We have clothes, we have towels, we will have people down here to pray for you and talk with you about it. And no one's going to force you into that water. That's the thing about God. He's walking in the garden saying, where are you? He's not grabbing you and making you. You get to choose him back. But I need you to know he chose you. He's already come for you. We're also gonna have people down front to just pray for you. Like we're gonna keep going in the service and celebrate these baptisms. But if you know, like God, I really need to sit with that question, like what are my withered fig trees? Or who do I need to forgive? We're gonna have people down here just to pray. Let God do what he wants to do, which is just draw you close to him. And say, I've got a better. Will you come with me? He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Let him do in your life what he wants to do today. Let's pray together. Lord, every time someone goes down in the water and comes back up, I just think that changes everything. It changes families. It changes people's trajectories. And, Lord, we know that you are gentle and kind. It says that your kindness is what leads us to repentance. Some of us, God, we have looked like we've got fruit. But if we get honest before you, we know we don't have any. We're just full of leaves. Lord, thank you that today can be the day that you begin to be the source and that we produce fruit. And Lord, thank you that you did not hold back anything from us, giving your only son to die for us. And so we celebrate the fruit that we're gonna see come out of people who have said, I am dead to my old self and I am alive in Christ. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.